The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 3, Chapter 19. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda, describes some conversations, which Most Holy Mary held with her angels in the house of Saint Elizabeth, and other conversations which she held with her cousin. 243. The plenitude of the wisdom and grace of Most Holy Mary, being one of such immense capacity, could not remain idle at any point of time nor in any place or occasion. For it gave forth the plenitude of all perfection, active at all times and seasons to the fullest extent of duty and possibility, without ever falling short of the holiest and the most excellent in virtue. And as in all places she acted the part of a pilgrim on earth and of an inhabitant of heaven, and as she herself was the intellectual and most glorious heaven, the living temple in which God himself had made his habitation, so she also carried with her her own oratory and sanctuary and in this respect there was for her no difference between her own house and that of her cousin Saint Elizabeth, nor could at any other place time or occupation be a hindrance to her in this regard. She was placed above all things and without any outside claim she incessantly devoted herself to the influence of the love which was continually in her sight. Yet at the same time she conversed with the creatures at opportune times and treated with them according as occasion required, giving as much attention to them as the most prudent mistress could fittingly spare for each in particular. And as her most frequent conversations during the three months, in which she remained in the house of Zachariah, were with Saint Elizabeth and with the holy angels of her guard. I shall relate in this chapter something of that which formed the subject of her conferences with them, and also mention other things which happened in her intercourse with the saint. 244. When she was left alone and free to herself our heavenly princess passed many hours ravished and elevated in divine contemplations and visions. Sometimes during these trances, sometimes outside of them, she was accustomed to converse with her angels about the sacraments and mysteries of her interior love. One day, soon after she had arrived at the house of Zachariah, she spoke to them in the following manner. Heavenly spirits, my guardians and companions, ambassadors of the Most High and luminaries of His divinity, come and strengthen my heart, which is captured and wounded by His divine love, for it is afflicted with its own limitations in that it cannot properly respond to the obligations which are known to it and which dictate its desires. Come ye supernal princes, and praise with me the admirable name of the Lord and let us magnify his holy judgments and operations. Help this poor little worm to praise its Maker, who condescends kindly to look upon its insignificance. Let us talk of the wonders of my spouse, let us discuss the beauty of my Lord, of my beloved Son. Let my heart find relief in uniting its inmost aspirations to your own, my friends and companions, for you do know the secrets of my treasure which the Lord has deposited within me in the narrowness of so fragile and constrained a vase. Great are these sacraments and admirable these mysteries, and I contemplate them with sweet affection, but their supernal greatness overwhelms me, the intensity and the greatness of my love overpowers me even while they inflame my heart. In the ardor of my soul I cannot rest satisfied and I find no repose, 
for my desires surpass all that I can accomplish and my obligations are greater than my desires, I am dissatisfied with myself, because I do not exert myself as much as I desire, because I do not desire to accomplish as much as I should, and because I find myself continually falling short and vanquished by the greatness of the returns which are due. Ye heavenly seraphim, listen to my loving anxieties, I am fallen sick with love, Canticles 2-5. Open to me your bosoms, whence the beauty of my God is flashed forth in order that the splendors of his light and the visions of his loveliness may replenish the life which wastes away in his love. 245. The holy angels answered. Mother of our Creator and our Mistress, you possess truly the Almighty and our highest good, since you have him so closely bound to you and are his true spouse and mother, rejoice in him and keep him with you for all eternity. You are the spouse and the mother of the God of love, and as in you is the only cause and fountain of life, no one shall live with him as you, our queen and mistress. But do not seek to find repose in a love so inflamed, for your state and condition of a pilgrim do not permit your love to attain the repose of perfect consummation, nor will it cease to aspire to new and greater increase of merit and triumph. Your obligations surpass without comparison those of all the nations, but they are to increase and grow continually. Never will your so vastly inflamed love equal its object, since it is eternal and infinite and without measure in its perfection. You shall always be happily vanquished by its greatness, for no one can comprehend it. Only he himself comprehends himself and loves himself in the measure in which he deserves to be loved. Eternally, O lady, shall you find in him more to desire and more to love, since that is required by the essence of his greatness and of our beatitude. 246. In these colloquies and conferences the fire of divine love was more and more enkindled in the heart of Most Holy Mary, in her was exactly fulfilled the command of the Lord, Leviticus 6.12, that in his tabernacle and on his altar should burn continually the fire of the Holocaust, and that the priest of the ancient law should see to its perpetual nourishment and maintenance. This precept was executed to the letter in the Most Holy Mary, for in her were jointly contained the altar and the new high priest, Christ our Lord, who nourished and augmented its flame day by day, by administering new material and favors, blessings, graces and communications of his divinity. While the exalted lady on her part, contributed her ceaseless exertions, which were ineffably enhanced in value by the continual flow of the graces and sanctity of the Lord. From the moment in which this lady entered into the world, this conflagration of his divine love took its rise, in order never to be extinguished on this altar through all the eternities of God himself. For as lasting as this eternity and as continuous was and will be the fire of this living sanctuary. 247. At other times she spoke and conversed with the holy angels, when they appeared to her in human forms, as I have said in several places. Most frequently this conversation turned about the mystery of the incarnate word, and in this she manifested so profound a knowledge in citing the holy scriptures and the prophets that she caused wonder even in the angels. On one occasion in speaking to them of these venerable sacraments she said, My lords, servants of the Most High and his friends, my heart is pierced and torn by arrows of grief, 
When I meditate on what the sacred scriptures say of my most holy son or what Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote, Genesis 22, 2, Isaiah 33, 2 and Jeremiah 11, 18, concerning the most bitter pains and torments in store for him. Solomon says, Wisdom 2.20, that they shall condemn him to a most ignominious death and the prophets always speak in weighty and superlative terms of his passion and death, which all are to be fulfilled in him. O were it the will of his majesty that I live at that time in order to offer myself to die instead of the author of my life. My soul is sorely afflicted in the consideration of these infallible truths, and that my God and my Lord should come forth from my womb only in order to suffer. O oh, who will guard him and defend him against his enemies? O oh, tell me ye heavenly princes, by what services or by what means can I induce the Eternal Father to divert the rigor of his justice upon me, in order that the innocent, who cannot have any guilt upon him, may be freed from punishment? Well do I know that in order to satisfy the infinite God for the offenses of men, the satisfaction of the incarnate God is required, but by his first act my most holy Son has merited more than all the human race can lose or demerit by its offenses. Since this is sufficient, tell me, is it not possible that I die in order to relieve him from his death and torments? My humble desires will not be annoying to my God, and my anxieties will not be displeasing to him. Yet what am I saying? And to what lengths do sorrow and love drive me, since I must be subject in all things to the divine will, and its perfect fulfillment? 248. These and other conversations the Most Holy Mary held with her angels, especially during the time of her pregnancy. The Holy Spirits met all her anxieties and comforted her with great reverence, consoling her by renewing the memory of the very sacraments which she already knew and by reminding her of the reasonableness and propriety of the death of Christ for the salvation of the human race, for the conquest of the demons and spoliation of their power, for the glory of the Eternal Father and the exaltation of the Most Holy and Highest Lord His Son, Timothy 2.14. So great and exalted were the mysteries touched upon in these discourses of the Queen with the holy angels, that the human tongue can neither describe, nor do we have the capacity to comprehend them in this life. When we shall enjoy the Lord, we shall see and conceive what we cannot at present. From this little which I have said, our piety can help us to draw conclusions in regard to others, much greater. 249 Saint Elizabeth was likewise much versed and enlightened in the divine scriptures, and much more so since the visitation. Therefore our Queen conversed with her concerning these heavenly mysteries, which were known and understood by the matron, instructing and enlightening her by heavenly teachings. For through her intercession Elizabeth was enriched with many blessings and gifts of heaven. Many times she wondered at the profound wisdom of the Mother of God and blessed her over and over again saying, Blessed are you, my mistress and mother of my Lord, among all womankind, Luke 1.42, and may the nations know and magnify your dignity. Most fortunate are you on account of the rich treasure which you bear in your virginal womb. 
I tender to you my humble and most affectionate congratulations for the joy with which your spirit shall be filled, when you shall hold in your arms the Son of Justice and nurse him at your virginal breasts. Remember me your servant, O Lady, in that hour and offer my heart in sacrifice to your most holy Son, my true and incarnate God. O oh, who shall merit to serve you from now on and attend upon you? But if I am unworthy of this good fortune, may I enjoy that of being born in your heart, for I fear, not without cause, that mine will be torn asunder when I must part from you. Many other sentiments of sweetest and most tender love St. Elizabeth uttered in her personal intercourse with the Most Holy Mary, and the Most Prudent Lady consoled her, strengthened and enlivened her by her divinely efficacious reasonings. These so exalted and heavenly dealings of Mary were diversified by many other acts of humility and self-abasement in serving not only her cousin Elizabeth, but also the servants of her house. Whenever she could find an occasion, she swept the house of her relative, and always her oratory at regular times, and with the servants she washed the dishes, and performed other acts of profound humility. Let no one think it strange that I particularize in these small matters, for the greatness of our Queen has made them of importance for our instruction and in order that knowing about them, our pride may vanish and our vileness may come to shame. When St. Elizabeth learned of the humble services, performed by the Mother of Piety, she was deeply moved and tried to prevent them, and therefore the Heavenly Lady concealed them from her cousin wherever it was possible. 250. O Queen and Mistress of Heaven and Earth, my Protectress and Advocate, although you are the teacher of all sanctity and perfection, lost in astonishment at your humility, I dare O my Mother to ask you, how was it possible that knowing of the only begotten of the Father within your virginal womb, and wishing in all things to conduct yourself as his mother, your greatness should abase itself to such lowliness, as sweeping the floor and the similar occupations? Since according to our notions, you could on account of the reverence due to your most holy Son easily have excused yourself without failing against the duties of your most perfect motherhood. My desire is, O oh Lady, to understand how your majesty was governed in this matter. The Answer and Instruction of the Queen of Heaven 251 My daughter, in order to solve your difficulty more explicitly than as already noted down in the foregoing chapter, you must remember that no occupation or exterior act pertaining to virtue, no matter how lowly it may be, can if it is well-ordered, impede the worship reverence and exaltation of the Creator of all things. For these acts of virtue do not exclude one another, but they are all compatible with one another in the creature, and much more in me, who lived in the continual presence of the highest good without ever losing sight of it by exterior activity. I adored and remembered God in all my actions, referring them all to his greater glory, and the Lord himself, who orders and creates all things, despises none of them, nor is he offended, or irritated by their smallness. The soul that loves him, is not disconcerted by any of these little things in his divine presence, for it seeks and finds him as the beginning and the end of all creatures. 
and because terrestrial creatures cannot exist without these humble performances and without others that are inseparable from our lowly condition and the preservation of our nature, it is necessary to understand this doctrine well, in order that we may be governed by it. For if we engage in these thoughts and occupations without reference to their Creator, they will cause many and great interruptions in the practice of virtue and in our merits, as well as in the right use of interior advantages. Our whole life will be blameworthy and full of reprehensible defects little removed from the earthliness of creatures. 252. According to this doctrine you must so regulate your terrestrial occupations, whatever they may be, that you do not lose your time, which can never be recovered. Whether you eat, labor, rest, sleep, or watch, in all times and places, and in all occupations, adore, reverence and look upon your great and powerful Lord who fills all things and conserves all things, 1 Corinthians 10.3 and Matthew 11.29. I wish also that you pay special attention to that which moved and incited me most to perform all acts of humility. Namely, the thought that my Divine Son came in the guise of humility in order to teach the world this virtue in word and example, to inculcate the hate of vanity and pride and rooting out its seed, sown by Lucifer among mortals in the first sin. His Majesty gave me such a deep knowledge of how much he is pleased with this virtue, that in order to be allowed to perform only one of the acts mentioned by you, such as sweeping the floor or kissing the feet of the poor, I would have been ready to suffer the greatest torments of the world. You will never find words to express the love for humility which I had, nor to describe its excellence and nobility. In the Lord you will know and understand what you cannot describe in words. 253. But write this doctrine in your heart and observe it as the rule of your life, continue to exercise yourself in the contempt of all things belonging to human vanity, and esteem them as odious and abominable in the eyes of the Most High. But in connection with this humility of your life, let your thoughts always be of the noblest and your conversation in heaven and with the angelic spirits, Philippians 3.20, deal with them and converse with them in order to obtain new light concerning the divinity and the mysteries of Christ my most holy Son. With creatures let your intercourse be such as will continually increase your fervor and serve you as means of advancing and profiting by means of humility and divine love. In your own mind assume the lowest place beneath all creatures, so that when the occasion and the time of exercising the acts of humility arrive, you may be found prompt and willing to exercise them. Only then will you be the mistress of the passions, if first you have acknowledged yourself in your heart as the least and weakest and most useless of all the creatures.